big event I've ever been to. Yeah. Here's Savannah, we've got the number one place to come to and watch baseball. And you don't even need to like baseball, you can have a blast here. Daisy is now the official bat dog for the Savannah Bananas. I didn't expect anything like this. And I don't think Savannah expected anything like this. It was just an amazing thing to see, just the success story go from, you know, a little egg to, to you know, a full-fledged sort of phenomenon. I started trying to learn everything I could about the baseball business, but more about the entertainment business. It's, a, it's, it's not even a baseball game, it's a circus. It's a circus! The audio you just heard was the beginning of the banana story. It's a 20-minute video featured on the Savannah Bananas website, which chronicles the birth and exponential growth in the popularity of the Savannah Bananas, who are a member of the Coastal Plain League, which is a college summer baseball league comprised of 15 teams, primarily in North and South Carolina. It's one of the top summer leagues, and they've had players such as um, Justin Verlander, Ryan Zimmerman, um, Joey Wendell, and, and even the, what's his name? I don't know football so well. The Seattle quarterback guy. Mm, mm. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson even played in the Coastal Plain League. I kept think I kept thinking of Seneca Wallace because that's he was the quarterback of Seattle when I used to play Madden a lot. Anyways, the Bananas are one of the premier summer league teams. Recently, I was doing an article for Perfect Game, and I reached out to a Barry. I almost said Barry Alvarez. I'm my brain is not working today. Barry Aldridge. Barry is a former Division II player. He had played at Armstrong Atlantic State. They don't have a team anymore. I don't even think the school exists anymore. I think it got eaten up by Georgia Southern. So I'd reached out to Barry and asked if he would help me with the article. And we talked about the effect of COVID-19 on the 2020 Summer Collegiate League and if they're going to get to play this season. But we talked about a whole lot more than that. And it was really fascinating to me and really interesting. Um because I am a big fan of the summer collegiate leagues. And regionally, here in the Midwest where I live, summer baseball is not a big thing. You'll get a smattering of fans. You're lucky if you get a couple hundred. And down there in the coastal plain, and as well as some other leagues, they're bringing them in by the thousands. And the Savannah Bananas are one team in particular that is very popular and brings it as a huge fan base for the region. They sell out Every one of their games, they have a huge online presence and are, most importantly, I think, invaluable members of the Savannah community. Even if you're not into summer college baseball, and I know a lot of people aren't, I still think that this is a very interesting interview. And if you go and look and see what's going on with the Bananas, as well as a number of other leagues and teams that play summer baseball, I think there's a good chance that you could end up walking away being a huge fan. So here's my interview with Barry Aldridge. Vice President of the Savannah Bananas on the one two, three inning College Baseball Podcast. Tell me how you got involved with the Bananas in the first place. Sure, Nick. Uh, so I got involved with the Bananas uh, way back in 2016 when I finished playing uh, my collegiate summer, or my collegiate ball, rather, uh, at Armstrong State University. The Bananas had just come to town uh, in October of 2015, and I I finished playing and was looking for an internship or, you know, looking to go get a job somewhere. So I took that internship with them, and uh, the rest is kind of history, I guess. And then what's your position now? So you've worked, I mean, this is a full-time gig for you, right? 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I actually started as a promotions intern. It was one of the only internships they had left. They thought that I'd be able to match Jesse's energy, and that's really the number one that's really the number one thing we look for from a like a uh promotions intern anyway. So and then I moved into ticket sales, did was a fan experience coordinator for a couple years uh, and then moved into director of tickets uh pretty quickly and then now I am the vice president. So uh the roles changed quickly over the years, uh you know, from twenty sixteen till now, but uh it's been a been a really fun ride. I mean, when you have a small company and uh you know, I say a quote unquote small team Everybody wears a lot of hats anyway, so the titles are titles are great, but we all pitch in and do a ton of stuff. So you were there for basically the complete resurrection of of baseball in Savannah. Because there used to be a minor league team there, but then they moved. So the Bananas came in, and you're basically helping start an organization from ground zero, or close to zero. You guys had an old stadium, but that was it. So how are you guys able to take basically the, the skeleton of a team or a skeleton of an idea and be able to flesh it out and make it this the successful franchise that it's become. Yeah, like you mentioned, I have been here uh, in Savannah longer than the Bananas. I was here and I, I went to several uh, several games from the team that came before us and have no ill will towards them whatsoever. Um, the difference really comes down to a few main things. One, supply and demand. Uh, we have less we have less games. Uh, they had 70, you know, home games to play, and we have 25 to 28 is is one big reason. Uh, two, we do everything in our power to make sure that you are spending as basically least amount of money as possible. I know it sounds crazy, but we include everything in one price. So our goal is not for you to pay $5 to come to the game and then spend 100 on food. So we, we include – for about 80% of our tickets, all memberships and group tickets and stuff like that, we include uh, all your food and drink with it. So we want the value to be extremely high. We want to appeal to the business community and appeal to uh, the, the nonprofit community and all that by letting them sell or give something away to people that they don't have to come and then spend more money. So that's a huge point of emphasis. And then the last and probably most important is the entertainment. We do not, quote-unquote, focus on the baseball. Our coaches and players do, and they have an, you know, an excellent team, and they're excellent coaches, and they, they are down to business between those white lines. But we like to have a lot of fun, and we focus on the entertainment more so than you know, pretty, much, pretty much any team that I'm aware of. I am sh- totally sure there are minor league teams out there doing really, really cool, fun, amazing stuff as well. Uh, I just don't know of anyone that puts as much thought and as sure on it as we do. I mean, a normal game may have three or four, even five really good promotions. They're sponsored. Sometimes they're not, but they're usually sponsored promotions, and they'll do them every single night. Uh, We have a four- to six-page script that's minute-by-minute for pregame and postgame, and then, well, pregame. Because every, once everything starts, then in baseball, obviously, you don't have a time frame. But then it's by every half inning. So we'll have, you know, 18, 17 promotions um, every single night, basically. 16 or 17 promotions every single night, not counting pregame, postgame, uh, other little things that are happening around the ballpark. We, we try to treat our ballpark more as an amusement park than a, a, a quote-unquote ballpark. 
Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everything is positioned around watching the game. We want to have stuff going on in the front plaza. We want to have stuff going on, you know, in this grandstands. We want to have something else going on over here by this so that when you're moving around, you don't ever feel like you're missing something. Uh, we want to have something for everybody and something for everybody to laugh at, have a good time, um, you know, and and keep everyone in the whole family entertained. Of course, there's going to be some aspects where you got some ideas and, and kind of cannibalized them and made them your own. But this whole kind of philosophy where you're taking baseball and wrapping it in, in entertainment, you guys have you guys have kind of created a new blueprint. Um. I don't know that we invented entertainment at the ballpark by any means, but we... Well, yeah, no, I mean, but... Yeah. We but you guys really took this to the next level. Yeah, we injected we injected it with steroids. Um, <laughs> sure, there you go. Fan experience is everything for us. Down to the... I mean, even when it comes down to, is it an improved fan experience? Yes. Will it lose us money? Yes. Cool, we're still doing it because it's an improved fan experience. Um, that is our number one goal is fan experience, uh, even at our own detriment sometimes. Um, you know, it's very, very important to us that someone is a lifelong fan and not comes and has a mediocre time and says, well, it wasn't quite worth that. So we are constantly, constantly looking ourselves in the mirror and trying to figure out, are we delivering even more than we say we are? Uh, so we strategically don't put things in social media videos and stuff like that sometimes. Like there are things about the ballpark and promotions and things that we do in the ballpark and giveaways and all kinds of stuff that you won't ever see advertised because we want to make sure we're always exceeding expectations when you do come. Uh, now, I, I'm not familiar, familiar with Savannah at all. How, how large is the community? The best way to describe it um, is uh, we are not a major city. Um, and it's a big, small town. Um, I wish I could have some numbers to spit at you. Uh, you know, we've got about three movie theaters. How about that? That's probably <laughs> that's a perfect that's a decent litmus test for for some people. Like the town I grew up in didn't have a single one, so that should tell you about where I grew up. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I like to call it a big, small town because about a third of the the, the area is a military base. And so that's, quote unquote, like, that's not like residential for at least the vast majority of the population. And then about another third of the land is the port. So it's not as big as people think it is. We really can, we don't, we don't think about ourselves as Savannah's team. We, we try to think about ourselves as the Coastal Empire team. Um, Savannah's going to show up and, and they're going to, you know, be very uh, proud. They're going to be very, they're going to show up and show out. Uh, it's commitment to the other areas as well as Savannah that that helps us kind of differentiate and, and and be even bigger than we are, I suppose. What's your capacity? What's your average ticket sales for a game? Yeah, sure. So uh, we're we're our capacity is just over four thousand. It started at four thousand, and we've you know strategically added a few hundred seats here and there. So we're at about. Um, a sellout for us, I think, is 4,100 now, 40, maybe 4,200, uh, and we sell that out every single night for 88 games straight. We are um, we have sold out every single game for the 2017, 18, and 19 seasons, uh, and that, those are 100% legitimate. Um, there's no there's no Cardinals, you know, 
40,000 people in the stadium when a drone goes over and sure yeah 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 there's none of that going on anybody can tell you if they come to a savannah bananas game on a tuesday or a saturday or a wednesday if i didn't tell you what day it was you'd have no clue because every game looks the same um it is it is absolutely sold out every single game that we've played since 2016. So with that being said, then, is there kind of a creeping underlying fear now that because of this virus that you guys now might be able to get on the field this year? I mean, because if, if you guys aren't playing, that's a huge loss of entertainment. That's, that's, that's over 100,000 tickets. I'm not sure. So obviously with this virus, nobody really knows what's going on. Uh, what we're kind of committed to doing is, is continuing to, A, be fans first, which is the utmost important to us. That's the name of our company, Fans First, Entertain Always. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to make sure that we are not, we're not hurting anyone in our fan base to do something that's quote unquote better for us. Uh, if someone needs a refund, they'll get a refund. If someone needs, uh, you know, to back out, a business needs to back out, they can back out. We're, we're very, very committed to not making this about us. Um, that being said, we're trying very hard to entertain people and give them good news and give them fun things to share, uh, fun things to do. We, I did an episode of Cooking with Barry on our Facebook Live the other day uh, and had like 150 comments. And then we played, we built a team on MLB The Show and I commentated uh, an entire nine inning uh, baseball game with completely made up players. I wore a full suit and we did promotions between the innings and uh, in the living room. Um, we're just trying to do things that show off our personalities and we're trying to inject a little bit of entertainment and fun into, you know, an otherwise, uh, you know, upsetting situation, honestly. So I'm sorry I couldn't answer your original question. I just don't know. Uh, we're going to pass along that information to everybody as quickly as we know it. Uh, and we have obviously the, the best of hopes, uh, but nobody really knows what's going to happen right now. Sure. No. And, I mean, obviously, that's that's not just you guys. That's any anybody anywhere. No one has an idea kind of what's going on. Now, with your guys' unique approach to presenting the game, does that make it either harder or easier for you guys to find to fill out your roster? Because I would think there'd be some guys who would totally be into that, and then perhaps you could have somebody who's a really good player who's like, I don't know if I'm down with all this extra hullabaloo. I, I just want to play baseball. Sure. Well, uh, there's a couple ways you could look at it. Um, if I was a major league scout, I would want to see people play in front of packed out crowds because that's the type of atmosphere that hypothetically they're going to be playing in front of at the highest level. Sure. We have, yeah. We have players that, that take that approach and, and understand the value of that. We also have uh, two full seasons worth of scientific data to back up that playing in our environment makes you a better player. And I know that sounds ridiculous and it sounds crazy. And it was originally a study that a Georgia Southern professor did to try to prove Jesse wrong when Jesse said, I think people get better by playing for us. Not get yeah. better as they receive better coaching. Don't get me wrong. Our coaches are amazing. But we compared our, like Professor Sproul compared players against themselves when they were back at their school versus when they were playing for the Bananas. And as he did that for every single team in our league, and we were the only only team that showed a positive increase uh, in a player um, across the board. Not a single other team showed that. 
so I would argue that priming your environment with fun and with not taking everything so seriously and with a high level baseball, we recruit really high level talented players. Um, and knowing you're going to get to become a pseudo celebrity in Savannah, Georgia for three months, um, we have probably more applications to play than any, anybody in our league. I mean, I'm on our general contact form, and I can tell you personally that three to six players reach out every single week, and that's just to me. That's not counting all the coaches reaching out to Tyler Gillum, uh, all the players reaching out to him directly. That's just reaching out to the bananas in general. Wow. So I guess, if anything, it's the opposite. You have a backlog of potential candidates to fill your roster. By far, yeah. We we are not – filling the roster is never an issue – uh, we want to produce. We want to have the highest level talent we can. Um, we've won the most games since we entered the league. Uh, if you look at it, we've won more games than anybody else since we entered the league, and we're very, very proud of that fact. Um, you know, because yes, people write us off sometimes because they think it's oh they don't focus on the baseball. No, it's not that we don't focus on the baseball. It's that that's not what the fans are asking from us. They're asking for really high level baseball. Right, and we're we're providing that, but they're also asking for a lot of other stuff as well that the rest of the industry is ignoring. And so we hired somebody in Tyler Gillum, our head coach, that we know doesn't need our help to focus on the baseball. He is an amazing coach, and so he can make sure we have the best team, the best coaches, and that they can show up every day and flip that switch seamlessly from all right. Now I'm entertaining and I'm interacting and creating special moments with fans, and now I'm between those white lines. So we're just extremely blessed to have had two coaches in Sean West and Tyler Gillum that are so receptive to what we're trying to accomplish. It's not it's not entertaining at the detriment of baseball. It's entertaining at the benefit of the fan, and actually now we can scientifically prove it's at the benefit of the player as well. Creating that atmosphere makes you a better player. It gets you – in that headspace, apparently, to perform well. Yeah, no, well, it makes sense to me. With your guys' success, both on the field, in the box office, have you, have you had other other teams reaching out to you and kind of asking for your guidance? Uh, yeah, here and there. Um, we actually have more businesses that are not in sports reach out to us uh, because our, our whole approach, and we have a, a, basically a, a sector of our business is um, it's called Bananas for Business, where we, we train, uh, we hold workshops, we hold, uh, we'll do some, uh, some little one-day, two-day workshops and consulting uh, for, for any, basically any industry. And we don't come in and try to tell you how to run your business. That's not our job. Running your business is, you know, what you know how to do. But how to stand out and be different and differentiate yourself from the norm of your business, that's what we can help you with. So we actually get more response from from banks and from uh, dentist office and from interesting you know in, insurance agencies. I mean, we've worked with businesses across the board, and all of them essentially just are have a, a lot of businesses have a hard time standing out. It's like, oh yeah, we offer this, 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 and this, and that's all great. But so does the same business three doors down and the same one six doors down from them. Uh, so differentiating yourself and standing out is a huge part of doing business. Can you tell me about a player who 
by virtue of his time with the Bananas, was able to either take his game to the next level or make strides in his personal life that made him more successful. So maybe they didn't become like an All-American, but maybe they were able to untap something personally that made them a more successful person. Probably. I'd like to first start off by saying like, never going to take credit for any player's development and growth. Like these guys, I, I see them putting in the work and I see them honing their craft. And there are so many factors outside of us that I know are, uh, are contributing. But, but I will say uh, one example is just this past summer, we had a gentleman named Alex Deegan, who is now a late innings guy slash closer for Kentucky. He was a freshman at Kentucky and uh, Alex admitted and told us this very much. He's, he's kind of a shy kid. He didn't really like to – he's 6'9", by the way, so he stands out in every room he goes into. And he's like – you know, he probably sat 88, 89. Um, Alex came to us uh, and pitched with us the entire summer last year, and he became known as the Dancing Deegan. Alex, uh, from day one, got inspired and bought into the idea that we can really, like – Everybody remembers the first time a professional, quote-unquote, player, like, acknowledged them at a game, whether it's summer ball, whether it's a high school player at a, you know, and you're, you're five years old and you're watching your older sibling play. Like, everybody remembers the first time that an older player, you know, something you're aspiring to be, took a few seconds with you. And Alex latched onto that like almost no player I've ever seen before. All right? He came out of his shell. He was volunteering for everything we did entertainment-wise uh, during the game. He became a staple with our Dancing Players promotion, and he, like, led it. Uh, so Alex became known as the Dancing Deegan. Here's a quick bit of Alex being mic'd up last summer for the Bananas. Hey, you just do me a favor. When I'm out there dancing, I get shy and timid sometimes. So you just, can you just, yeah, just, like, just keep, get, just keep hyping me up, okay? You better not score. I'll give verbal cues. Alright. Left. Right. Left. Right. Get with it. Oh. Don't forget the wall. Don't forget the wall. Let me ask you a question. Who is the dancing king? Okay? Oh, we understand. I want a first and a last name. Who is the dancing king? Alex I don't mess up when it comes to dancing. Okay? I, I know. It doesn't happen. Flash forward. Alex goes back to school this year. He's now sitting 92, 93. He's got, I think he had like a 219 at, before all this went down. And he has been honest and open about how he came out of his shell and just let go after his experience with the bananas. And is that taking credit for him? Absolutely not. There's so much more work in the weight room and in the classroom and in the, uh, you know, doing preventative care and long time. There's so much extra work that Alex put into it, and he deserves everything that came his way but just knowing that uh that maybe helping him not be quite as shy and helping him be a little bit more tenacious on the mound maybe even uh maybe if we help even one percent uh then i'm happy to have been even a small part of that now with your players i mean obviously they're with you guys for several months and baseball is the reason they're with you what kind of stuff do they do when they're not on the diamond okay sure uh so starts out day one the first day players get there they go through an entire day-long orientation process and they never touch a ball um they actually show up they we feed them uh we give them all their new gear we show them all around the whole stadium 
at basically we want to get these guys ingrained with what our mission as a business is. Uh, not that they, you know, we're, that we're asking them to come in and make sales calls or anything like that, but we just want them to understand what we're about and what type of people we want to be. Um, we end the day with them shooting a music video. Our most recent one uh, went semi-viral, <laughs> uh, the Old Town Road. Uh, I think yeah. uh, last count it got about 2 million views across platforms. Oh, jeez. But that's what we let them – we actually let them – that's what they do on day one is they get out of their comfort zone and they meet each other, and we try to get them to do things to gel quickly because uh, you don't – there's no way to gel with that many guys that fast unless you're doing something that's a little uncomfortable, uh, you know, and you're not just going through the same old routine stuff. Like we just we, – we, we baptism by fire uh, into the bananas culture. Uh, then throughout the season, we let them do these fun shows and stuff. If they come to us with an idea like uh, I think of Bill Leroy did an episode of Shooting the Shit, uh, we let him sit in a bathroom stall, and we let somebody else sit in a bathroom stall next to him, and we filmed him doing an interview in the stall. Welcome back to this week's Shooting the Shit with Bill Leroy. I'm your host. And here with me today is uh, assistant coach Corey Powell. Would you like to tell him hi, Coach Powell? How you doing there, fellas? Remember, guys, if you're watching this show, everybody knows because everybody goes. I'm going to ask you, uh, what do you think about this bathroom? Is this a good bathroom to you? It's all right. I mean, uh, it'll do the job. When you got to go to the bathroom, you got to go to the bathroom. So yeah. it'll do the job in the long run. You ever been, they got this gas station called the Busy Bee. Once you're going towards Tallahassee, and it's got TVs in the bathroom. Wow. Uh, and we let them put that out and players get to put out content and like share stuff with their friends and be like, Oh, look what I'm doing over the summer. And it's not, not that baseball is not important, but it's not just baseball. They get to uh, put out all the cool things they're doing, uh, that are not just related to baseball. And they obviously build relationships with host families. Uh, a lot of them still visit the, visit them, um, in the off season when they're not playing. Uh, I mean, all sorts of things, honestly. In regards to finding host families, is that ever a problem for you guys? Or? No, thus far it hasn't been a problem for us. We've been blessed to have, uh, you know, some really, really great players, high character guys. That's something that our coaches place a really high emphasis on, uh, is placing guys that whose coaches are are convinced that they are very high, strong character guys. Uh, so we've we've had nothing but good things to say about host families. They they go above and beyond in, in providing, you know, a home away from home for these players. They love it. Uh, we have a waiting list for host families as well. So we haven't actually Terrific. looked for host families in quite a while. Uh, but, you know, I've heard rumors about rosters potentially expanding due to this virus and due to more players wanting to play in leagues across the country. So uh, maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll get to get to reach out and place players with even more families this year. And how do you screen your host families? I don't, I'm not actually super familiar with the entire process myself, but our uh, director of merchandising community outreach, Lizzie McCarty, uh screens all of them. I'm sure she does a uh, like a like an actual physical location check just to just to make sure the spaces are are good to go. Um, I think she uh, asks for references and has an interview with them just to kind of touch base and, and make sure. And then locality, closeness to the ballpark is obviously preferable. So. Uh, that's a big part of the puzzle as well. So if, as, as the situation stands right now, you guys are penciled in to begin play, what, at the end of next month? 
end of May, yes. So uh, obviously we don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to keep preparing and being optimistic for the best case scenario until the best case scenario changes. Uh, when the if it, when or if the best case scenario changes to a later start date, we're going to do everything we can to relay that information and work from there. But um, you know we're optimistic. Uh, you know we're, we're not sticking our head in the sand. Obviously, we're working on. Uh, tons of contingency plans and ideas where we can entertain and and still be present, you know, and and there for our fans, uh, but also for our community. Uh, one big thing we're working on right now is we want to try to figure out a way to celebrate the seniors um, and the, the the teams in our community, uh, high school teams that is that lost their seasons, um, and we want to we want to try to figure out a way to maybe host a tournament for them or do something like that and let them have their senior day. Uh, that's a big something that we're working on kind of behind the scenes to uh, hopefully just be good members of our community. That, that is our main focus right now, is being good members, contributing members of our community. And then with your contingency plans, is there any kind of, let's say, you can't get things started at the end of May, but maybe you could at the end of June. Would that still be a possibility for you? Sure. Uh, I think our league's position is that we're going to do whatever's best for the student-athlete. And if that's playing an abbreviated summer season and letting them go back to school uh, in August, then we're going to do that. If that's uh, playing a longer summer season that goes deeper into August and schools don't start till later, we'll do that. Um, if that means that we can't play any at all this summer and student-athletes just need to stay quarantined and be protected, we're going to do that. The student-athlete safety and safety of our communities is priority number one. If uh, if we're not able to play any seasons at all, uh, you know, you never know. I mean, we've spit around ideas of uh, of uh, doing exhibitions with, you know, men's leagues and stuff like that, just to get everybody together again and, and having a good time. Um, we're, we're really open. I mean, of all teams you're going to talk to and of all, you know, uh, basically of all teams you're going to have the chance to talk to, I think um, we're the most likely to do something crazy and uh, something that no one else has either a thought of or b thought would be a a, a worthwhile undertaking so i, I don't know man I, nothing's nothing's set in stone and nothing's obviously really been taken past general idea stages but uh we've talked about some wild stuff uh you know we, we still have concerts that's coming up we have rescheduled concerts coming for the fall so we still are going to have a venue we have a year-long lease so um, Grayson Stadium is going to have people in it as soon as they let us, is, is, is basically what I'm getting at. Well, I sure hope that's sooner than later. It's quite apparent that not just players are going to be missing out on a huge opportunity, but there's communities and businesses and just just people all over who are, are really going to suffer if college baseball doesn't get to be played this summer. Yeah, absolutely, man. We've got to get you down to a game, Nick. I, uh, I need you to, I know. to see this for yourself. I know, because that's part of the deal, is that uh, I would like to do some more of this in in the Midwest, and actually in Omaha, and part of that, I think, and being able to being able to trick my wife into doing it would be get her down there, and I can go, see, this could be us, you know? Come on, so. man. I, uh, I can't promise you everything, but I can, I can promise you two seats. I can do that. All right. Well, that sounds good. Thanks again. Yeah, Nick. Anytime, man. Have a great one. All right. Well, that's another episode. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast um, and want to leave me 
a, a, a positive message or something like that on iTunes. I think that would be so awesome. Um, what, There's a high drive to what's going on? Goodbye. Oh, I guess we're done.